I, I feel this certain responsibility to come up with these topics and these lessons and the way that I teach them um, to communicate well with you guys. And I think that a big part of, um, if not the entirety of, uh, doing that is this idea of uh, listening to God and hearing God and what he wants me to teach you guys. And I've told you guys before that whenever I accepted this job or whenever I was coming and interviewing for this job, I really felt like God was laying that the, the theme of identity on my heart. And if you guys remember, I started that series Identity Crisis in January. And um, I don't know about you guys, but from the feedback that I got from, from some students, um, that, that series was very impactful. Uh, for, for many of you guys, from what I understand, I'm not trying, that's like humble brag. Um, but, you know, I can't take any credit for, for that series. Um, yeah, I was the person who was up here teaching it. I was the person who wrote the notes. And that, but that was something that God gave to me, right? I, I could tell you back in like September of last year when God started to speak to me, this idea of teaching a series on identity. And so when I was in here teaching, it was not so much me speaking as it was God speaking through me. And so I also have this responsibility to truly listen to God and teach and guide you guys and direct you guys in the way that he asked me to do that. And I think when I say this, when I say this idea of listening to God, uh, I lose some people. Because a lot of you guys, like even kids who are raised in church and hear this idea of listening to God all the time, because that was me, right? And I remember being in your shoes, being a youth and hearing my youth pastor or other speakers say like, I was listening to God or I heard from God. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, what does this idea of listening to God or hearing from God mean? Like you hear people talk about this concept, like I said, and, and I don't know about you. And, and I think many of you are probably going to be in the same shoes because when I was your age, that was always a really strange concept for me. I mean, I was like, and you guys know this about me. I've shared this multiple times, but I was like the epitome of like the church kid. My dad was a music minister. I was at the church like before church started. I was at the church after church ended. I was always at the church. And I was like the good kid that was like, oh, the youth pastor says I need to read my Bible every day. So I'm going to read my Bible every day. And the youth pastor says I should pray every day. So I'm going to pray every day. You know, like that was me. That was just who I was. And so I spent time with God and I learned from his word. And I read, I read pastor's scripture. I heard different pastors, youth pastors, speakers speak his word into my life. And I learned uh, through, from God in lots of different ways. But this idea of God specifically leading me in a direction um, was really kind of foreign to me. Like I didn't fully understand what people meant when they said that they heard from God or that God led them in this direction. And I always thought when people said this um, that it was almost like a it was almost like a way to use God as a scapegoat, right? Uh, and, and I always joke, now we joke about this in ministry, because if you're like, hey, would you like to help out in the children's ministry this Sunday? And people go, my husband and I need to pray about that. That means we're going to go home and we're going to be like, yeah, right. And then we're going to come back and be like, 
God said that it's not time for us to do that right now. Like, that's just them not wanting to do children's ministry and using God as the reason why, right? And so that's what I always thought that meant was like, oh, well, God's leading me this direction. That means that I want to go that direction. And if things go badly, I can be like, well, God wanted me to. It wasn't my fault that I went that way. God told me to. Like, that's what I always thought was it was this way of using God as like taking the blame off of yourself when things go wrong. And, and I think, uh, and I know some of you guys in here don't know me at all, um, but I think most of you in here know my testimony and know, know my story of my call to ministry and the fact that I, I felt called to ministry, but I thought that it was what I wanted to do. And I was like, no, I don't want to be one of those people who says, God told me to do this, but it's really me that wants to do it. So like I ran from my call to ministry and God ultimately like slapped me back into place and was like, hey, I called you to do ministry and I want you to do ministry. And, and so I really learned um, this, this, I learned firsthand what it meant to, quote, hear from God. And I, and I say this to tell you, I, I kind of gave a long lead in here. And I say this to tell you that if this concept of hearing from God is something that you find hard to understand, or maybe you have a hard time believing it actually happens, that's okay. Like, that's okay. Like, I don't want you to feel like you're weird if you think that hearing from God is, like, not normal <laughs> or something that doesn't happen. Like, that's totally okay. Because I was in the same boat. Like, I, I wasn't totally sure exactly what people meant when they said that. But I don't want you to, like I was saying, I can tell when people check out of my messages and I don't want you guys to do that tonight. I don't want you to be sitting here and going, oh my gosh, he's talking about hearing from God and I don't believe that that ever happens. I'm out. Like, I don't want that to happen. I want you guys to stay with me and kind of hear like the importance of what it, like I'm going to try to explain to you guys what it means to hear from God. And, and, I'm, and I want you guys to try to kind of understand how we can work to do that. And, and, and hopefully... Even if you're someone who doesn't believe that that can happen, if you do uh, what God says in this passage, um, hopefully he will speak to you and you can understand in your own life what that means for you. Um, I, know, <laughs> I know we don't really communicate on the phone anymore. Um, we communicate on the phone, but we don't do it like actually talking into it. Like we use it to like type out words and send them to people. But back in my day, uh, we actually had to talk into the phone if we wanted to tell someone something. Um, but I want you guys to think about like when you get a phone call, right? And, and I want you to pretend like it's 1990 and there's no such thing as caller ID. Um, and you don't know whose name is on the phone and you... And you pick up the phone. Yeah, I know. You're sitting in the back criticizing that I said 1990. We didn't have caller ID when I was a kid. In 1990, we did. Oh, we didn't. So we must have been like low class. Um, no, it's fine. 1970. Um, and we didn't have caller ID. Um, no, but pretend like, the, pretend like you don't have someone's contact in your phone. Or, okay, here's a scenario. Your phone dies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Literally the worst thing that could possibly happen, okay? Your phone dies and you have to borrow your friend's phone and try to remember your mom's phone number. Like, <laughs> huh? Well, yeah, but imagine, imagine back in the day when you had to have everyone's phone number memorized. That was crazy. No, but um, so, and you call, like, hey, track with me. Listen, listen. 
Uh, so you pick up the phone and you call someone and a random number pops up on their phone, right? They have no idea who's calling them at this moment. They may recognize the area code, their iPhone or smartphone or whatever, may tell them where the call's coming from, but they have no idea who's on the other line. And when they pick it up and they hear their child go, hello, <laughs> they can immediately tell who it is, right? Like, in the same way that if your parent picked up the phone, you could immediately tell who it was, even if you didn't have caller ID. And that's because when you hear someone's voice, when you're familiar with someone's voice, you, you're able to identify them, right? We know how they talk. We know the, the way they say things, the phrases they say. And, and whenever I think about this, it's a very like, it's a very close relationship, right? You, you probably wouldn't be able to identify um, someone's voice that you don't know that well, right? Even like someone you might label a friend, but they're not like your best friend, you may not be able to pick out their voice immediately on the phone. But we're talking someone who, if you picked up the phone, had no idea who was on the other line, that the first word they said, you knew who they were, right? That's a handful of people in your life. And these are the people you're probably the closest to. Can we all agree with that? Like, you guys understand what I'm saying. This is like immediate identification from the first time you hear their voice. And I think about the closeness that is required to have this sort of relationship. And I think to myself, this is the way that we should be with God. Right? We, we need to be able to recognize when God is speaking to us. And we need to recognize who it is that is speaking, that is God that is speaking immediately. Right? We want to be so close in a relationship with God that when he speaks to us, and I'm not necessarily talking about like audibly voice like, you know, that you see in the movies where it's like, Brian, like from the sky. Like I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking like when, you, when you're reading scripture or when you're praying and you have a feeling about something, God can speak through that, right? But that we can recognize when God's speaking to us from the from the instant that he begins speaking like this is the type of that's the close the type of close relationship that we should all desire to have uh, with God we should be in touch with his character his nature his interests his pleasures his pet peeves his joys his frustrations we should know so much about him that his presence and his involvement is recognizable in your life. I'm going to say that again because I want you all to understand exactly what I just said. We should know so much about God that his presence and his involvement is recognizable in our lives. Our life should literally be an image that God can show himself through. <clears throat> I, want, I want us to take a look at Elijah for a second. So we're going to be in 1 Kings 19. And I, and I want to look at Elijah and this, this, this experience he has of hearing uh, from God. I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory. And, and I'm hoping that some of you guys have heard this story before because I love this story. This is like a really, really cool Bible story. Okay, so the Israelites, right, we, God's people... They kind of have this up and down, on again, off again relationship with God. Um, they are in a bad place with God, right? They've got this, this king, uh, Rahab, who is the, pretty much the worst king that Israel's ever had 
up until this point. It may have been the worst king that they ever had. And he marries uh, this woman named Jezebel, which you probably hear as a negative term for some, someone, right? And this is why. This is the origin of that. Um, so he's married to this woman named Jezebel. And together they turn the entire Israelite nation from a nation that's focused on God to one that's focused on this fake God called Baal. You've probably heard of Baal before. But they have basically turned the entire nation into followers of Baal. In fact, it says in here that Elijah was the only prophet left of God's and that Baal had 450 prophets. This is essentially that, ba- that Elijah was the only pastor in an entire kingdom where there were 450 pastors of Baal's church. Okay? And, and so... Elijah says to them, hey, you guys say that Baal's God and I say that that a one true God is God. Um, So why don't we just do a little challenge? We're both going to offer up a sacrifice and whoever's God rains down fire on the sacrifice. That's the true God. And so they're like, deal. We got this. Baal's the true God. So they set up a sacrifice and everything and they like dance and cut themselves and like prance around for like an entire day trying to get Baal to rain down fire on their sacrifice. Doesn't happen, okay? And Elijah, he's like mocking them, which I kind of like this in Elijah because he's like, I'm on God's side and I'm winning and I'm going to taunt it, like flaunt a little bit. But, and then on top of that, not only does he mock them for not getting fire to rain down, but when it's his turn, he takes buckets of water and dumps it all over his offering and he like dug a trench around it and it's like the trench is full of water. Like this thing's soaking, and it's like rocks, wood, and, and, a, and a, an ox or a, or a cow um, up on there to be sacrificed. And he prays one time to God and boom, fire rains down. And it says that, I love the detail in this. It says that the water in the trench was licked up. And I think about water, like fire licking up water. And I think that's just a weird imagery. But it's amazing to see that God has proved himself in this moment. And Elijah calls for all 450 prophets of Baal to be Executed right there on the spot, which is pretty radical. But great story, okay? Well, this obviously ticks off the king, uh, Rahab, and his wife, Jezebel. And so they start calling for Elijah to be executed for this action. And so we pick up right there. We pick up right there. (laughs) And Elijah has fled into the wilderness, okay? And we're going to pick up in verse 9. It says, there he, meaning Elijah, went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came with him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord says, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. What a powerful story this is, okay? And and we're going to dig into this, so I, I want you to fully understand what this story means. But I think it's so interesting to look because you have Elijah who God speaks to him and says, or, or someone speaks to him, a messenger speaks to him and says, 
the Lord is about to pass by. And he walks out to the mouth of this cave and like this gigantic windstorm blows through. And I think most people would have been like, God just passed by. Right? Gigantic windstorm. That had to be God passing by. But Elijah's like, no, I'm going to just chill here for a second. Huge earthquake happens. Okay. Then even the people who are left going, that wind wasn't God are going, okay, that was definitely God. Wind and then an earthquake. God just passed by. But Elijah stood still. And then all of a sudden a fire breaks out all around everything. And everyone, if, if anyone in their mind is still doubting that God has just passed by, that was for sure God has passed by now. Right? We just had wind, earthquake, and fire. God has passed by. But Elijah stood strong. And then he hears a whisper. And I think in that moment, he's thinking, this is how we hear from God. We tune out all the earthquakes. We tune out all the windstorms. We tune out all the fire to hear the whisper. Elijah didn't fall for the, the things that most of the people would have believed to be God. He was so in tune with God that he knew that there was more. He knew that the wind and the fire and the earthquake was not God speaking, but that God was still to speak and he needed to listen. And I don't know about you guys. I, I like have a short attention span. I'm kind of like hyperactive. If there was wind, earthquake, and fire, I would not be listening for anyone to whisper to me at that point. I would be so distracted. Like, I'd be running around freaking out, okay? Like, I can't think of anything more distracting than those three events to prevent you from hearing a whisper. But Elijah stayed ready to hear from God so much that he heard a whisper through the chaos. And, and I like the fact that it uses whisper. It could have used soft spoken word or like it could have used any way to describe this but it uses the word whisper and i think the word whisper goes so beyond like just a quiet voice because i want you to think of someone whispering to you and what that means it means they're close to you right like i think it's actually kind of perfect illustration that when I whispered the word whisper, that someone sitting in the front row here did not hear what I said, right? If you're going to whisper to someone, you have to be in close proximity with them. I think of whenever I think of whispering, I think of someone leaning in and like cupping their hand over your ear, right? And whispering really quietly, like to where no one else can hear, but the person that you're talking to. I think the fact that God whispered to Elijah was not an accident. I think it was a demonstration of the kind of close and intimate relationship that one, God had with Elijah and two, that God desires to have with each and every one of us. So how do we do this? How do we have this close relationship with God so close that he can whisper to us, not just whisper to us that we can hear, but whisper to us in a way that we can hear it through the fire, through the, the earthquake, and through the wind. 
and I see five things. And I don't want you to freak out when I say five because I'm going to move pretty fast through them, okay? I see five ways that we can have this relationship with God in a way that helps us to hear the whispers through the chaos. One, we have to have a seeking heart, right? This is not something that happens accidentally. Like if, if someone wants to be your friend and you don't want to be their friend back, you're not going to become their friend, okay? Right? You have to have a desire to want to have that relationship in return. David wrote about this all the time in the Psalms. If you want to hear God's voice, you have to seek him in the way that David did. And if you want to know how David did that, go read the Psalms because he talks about it a lot. And to, 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 be, to be honest with God, like to have this relationship where, where you don't hold anything back, right? You can be honest with God. You can tell him your frustrations. You can tell him your fears. You can tell him his doubts um, that you maybe even have about hearing from him. God wants to hear those, right? It's, it's, it's not bad for you to sit and tell God your fears, right? God knows your fears. So it's not a bad thing for you to sit and say, God, I don't, I don't even know if you're there. God, I, I, I don't know how I can hear from you, if I can hear from you, why I don't hear from you. Like, that's okay to express that to God. Ask him to speak to you, give you the ears to hear, the eyes to see the way that he's leading you. Ask for the ability to tell the difference between his voice and your thoughts. That's a big one. That's a very, very challenging thing to do. Like I said, I always thought that they were one and the same. Like, people were just like, I want to do this, so God told me to do it. What you want to do and what God wants you to do are not always the same thing. Know how to tell the difference. And that requires you to be close to him and to seek him. Two, get into God's word. Okay, this should be literally the most obvious answer in the history of humanity. <clears throat> but how are you supposed to hear someone if you don't read their words, right? If you're worried about God speaking to you, read the Bible. It's called God's word for a reason. Like that's how he speaks to you is through his word. When you study scripture, you open yourself up to the heart and the personality of who God is. And when you do this, when you're studying scripture, you have to keep your eyes open for God to reveal who he is and what he's like to you so that you can understand him better. That's called growing a relationship. That's how you get close enough that you can hear the whispers. Three, be a good listener. It's really hard to hear someone speak if you aren't listening. I'm a youth pastor. I'm used to people not listening to me. But it's really hard for someone to hear. That was going to sound really weird. It's really hard to hear someone speak if you aren't listening. We can sit here and we can say all we want. Oh, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm listening to you. But if you're playing on your phone, like I'm not talking about in here. I'm talking just in general life. You're not listening. Right? Listening is an action. Right? It's, it's, it's a verb, meaning you're doing something. You're active. So this term actively listening is redundant because listening requires action. You have to be a good listener. And, and this sounds so easy, but it's actually one of the more difficult steps. Think about, I want you to think about when you're spending time with God, whether you're reading your Bible, praying, etc. How often whatever you're doing gets paused because of a call or a text or a notification or a dog that barks or a doorbell, like whatever. Like how many times you're praying or you're reading your Bible and that gets interrupted by whatever's going on in your life. 
And, and if you don't believe me, I've been on a Zoom call with most of you guys for the past like three months. And I see how many times you guys mute it because your parent comes into the room and you have a conversation with your parent in the middle of our Zoom call, which is totally cool. Okay, I'm not, I'm not dogging on that, but I'm saying imagine if that happens on our Zoom call, that same thing happens in your own personal quiet time, right? It's hard to, we, we've got to, to hear from God. We have to uh, not just try to avoid distractions. We have to actively seek out a quiet place. It's one thing to avoid distractions. It's another thing to seek out a place that is truly, to, to have a truly quiet heart. And it's, and it's honestly practice for hearing the whispers of God amidst the winds, the earthquakes, and the fires of the world. Fourth thing, and I think that everyone needs a little bit more of this, practice patience. All this stuff we're talking about, every single aspect that we've talked about tonight, takes practice. None of these things are like quick hit, like, you know, anytime you watch an infomercial, they're like, hear from God today. These five steps will have you hearing from God by 9 p.m. Like, okay, this is not what this is. This is not a quick fix way to hear from God tonight. Right? These are the steps that you have to take and the steps that you have to stay committed to for a long time before you maybe hear from God once. And that sounds really like uber depressing in a a culture of instant gratification, but it's what God has called us to do. And this is where people so often go wrong. They do all these things. They do them all right. And they do it for a while. They do it for, let's say, a week or so. And then they get angry because they're like, I've been faithful to God for seven whole days and he has not spoken to me. How dare him? This is a long and difficult process. It may take years for you to truly be able to pick out God's voice from your own thoughts. No matter how long it takes, we have to be confident that he hears you and respond. So practice patience. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Fifth, finally, obey. And this really isn't a step to hear from God as much as it is a way to keep hearing from God. I think we can all understand the frustration that comes uh, with asking someone to do something, followed by them not asking to do uh, what you say. And if, that, if you have never experienced that frustration, have children, okay? Because you will experience that frustration. I guarantee you that. Um, but if you ask someone to do something... And they continually do not do what you are asking them to do. You very quickly stop asking them to do things for you. Yes? Like, if I'm like, hey, will you go take care of this for me? And it doesn't get done. Say, okay, will you go take care of this for me? And it doesn't get done. You say, okay, go take care of this for me. And it doesn't get done. I'm going to stop asking you to do things for me because it's not getting done. And I feel like that's that's the same way. <clears throat> that, that God is with us. He asks us to do things and we sit and we don't listen. We don't do what he says. And then we're like, why isn't God speaking to me? Why is God not telling me what I should be doing right now? 
Well, maybe it's because you haven't been doing what God's been asking you to do. The fear, uh, so many times people sit and wonder uh, why. (laughs) Okay, I love this. Uh, Haley loves this story. I wish she was here to tell it. I totally would have let her step up here and tell the story right now. Have you heard the story about the guy who's in, who's in uh, the house and the house starts to flood? And so someone comes and knocks on the door and is like, uh, sir, we're evacuating this area. You need to come with me. And he goes, no, God will take care of me. Okay. The water rise, rises. The boat comes by. He's like, sir, you really need to evacuate. You know, the water's rising. And he goes, it's okay. God will take care of me. <laughs> he climbs up on the roof and a helicopter flies by and goes, uh, Sir, you really need to evacuate. The water's like rising. You're having to stand on your roof. You need to get out. He's like, it's okay. God will take care of me. Helicopter flies off. The guy drowns, okay, because he's stupid, okay? Um, The guy drowns. He gets to heaven. He goes, God, why did you not rescue me? He's like, I sent a person to your door, a boat by your house, and a helicopter over your house, and he didn't listen to any of them, okay? Right? There's There's only so much that God can do before we are the problem. This fear of being wrong about what God's telling us to do, sometimes prevents us from having the chance to do what's right. We sit here and we go, like for me, for example, whenever I ran for my call to ministry, I was afraid that I was wrong, that I was doing something selfish that I wanted to do. And so in this fear of being wrong and doing what God didn't call me to do, I didn't actually do what God was calling me to do. We have to, we have to be obedient to God. And we, we have to remember that God looks at our heart. And, and so if God sees you step out on faith, like if God would have seen me, let's just say hypothetically, God had not called me to ministry and that was a selfish thing. If God saw me say, hey, I want to go into ministry because that's what I feel like that I want to do and that God's calling me to do. And, and that ultimately failed. But I did that because I wanted to serve God. Like God sees that heart. So even if we make mistakes, if we make mistakes with good intentions, God sees the heart of your actions. So don't be afraid to do the wrong thing. Do what God is do what your convictions are. What God is calling you to do. Don't let the fear of being of being wrong prevent you from doing what God's calling you to do. Honestly, this idea of hearing from God has to be one of the most difficult aspects of the Christian faith. Like we can sit here and we talk and and like everyone thinks about hearing from God as something audible, like this voice from the sky, when it's so much more subtle than that. It's a whisper from nothing. Like, and that, that sounds like the worst description ever, but that's just what it is. Like it's a feeling. It's, it's a, a thought it's something, it's not necessarily audible or physical or anything we can describe. But over time and practice, we, we have to do the things it takes to know God's voice. Like you do your friend's voice. Like you do your parent's voice. Like you do those who are close to you. And you'll be able to let that voice of God guide you in the work that he has intended for you to do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. And I pray that you would help to blind us to the chaos of this world. That you would keep us from being distracted by the winds, the fires, and the earthquakes. And allow us to be able to focus solely on your whispers. 
God, we know how challenging this is. We know the patience that it takes in, in, a, in a culture at a time that is built around not having patience. That we must, that I, we pray that you give us this patience. That you would allow us to better seek you and to understand you. So that we can do our best to serve you, God. I thank you for these students and their willingness to be here and to hear your words. And I pray that they would take it to heart and allow it to radically change the way that they live their lives and to focus their lives to serve you, God. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.